Hello, darling. Hey, sweetie. <laughs> Here we go again, the couple shift. So today we have a really exciting, really wonderful episode. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. We had the great privilege and fun and just, yeah, it was a really open-hearted, beautiful discussion with Kate Fagan. I'm going to read her official bio and then I'd love to hear, babe, um, what was your favorite part about interviewing her, but bio first. Kate Fagan is an Emmy award-winning journalist and the number one New York Times best-selling author of What Made Maddie Run, which was long listed for the Penn ESPN Award. She currently works for Meadowlark Media and writes for Sports Illustrated and previously spent seven years as a columnist and feature writer for ESPNW, ESPN.com, and ESPN the Magazine. She lives in Charleston, South Carolina with her wife, Catherine Budig, and their two dogs. Mm. So I made, I stumbled upon Kate on the in the Instagram, one of those rabbit holes. And uh, I I mentioned, so Kate wrote this beautiful book called All the Colors Came Out, A Father, a Daughter, and a Lifetime of Lessons. It came out in May of this year. And uh, Kate's um, dad, Chris Fagan, was diagnosed with ALS in 2016. So she writes this book really to commemorate, you know, or celebrate his life, their, their journey as father and daughter. Um, and so I saw a post that was talking about the book. I mentioned it to you and you were like, oh, yeah, you remembered her from. From Levitar, from ESPN, from all that. Stuff. Which yeah, I yeah. thought was so cool. It was like these worlds colliding. I was like, babe, I th- it, it was beautiful. So I sent her a DM and she very graciously was like jumped right at the opportunity. Um, so that was awesome. Before we get into the good stuff, I'd love to hear not a moment because there's so many moments. But overall, what was the feeling you had after we finished speaking with her it was just a nice conversation to have some to just to speak to somebody that you know has gone through similar experiences that we're going through yeah Um, it felt very useful like very it was a very natural conversation it felt very no explanation needed on things it was like yeah i get that yeah i totally understand where you're coming from here Yes. And it's such it's such powerful work. And I do want to say that, you know, ALS is such a mysterious illness. Um, And one of the things right in the get go. Oh, and the the other thing I wanted to say quickly was like, even though we have that that we had that comfort of in the sense of like, oh, we know. We know what um, we know what we've gone through Mm -hmm. or going through. um, It also was that even her story or her father's story was very unique as well. Yeah. Because everybody's, yes. everybody's is a little bit different and yes. some things that we didn't experience that she did, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm grateful to Kate for writing this book and to anybody out there who is, especially if you're a caregiver or you have somebody in your life who is experiencing ALS, I think that in, please in partic- get this book. I think that in particular. Yeah. Because her perspective is, and because she's a journalist she really tells the story in such a way that is both really being an observe, observer and also, of course, incredibly emotionally affected by what's happening. And she got a chance to, I mean, she witnessed her dad, she witnessed her mom, her sister, like the whole experience. And so if you have somebody in your life, I saw so many moments of just resonance with her experience as a daughter is different than mine as a as a wife and closer caregiver. Um but my goodness, I felt really connected. And I think there's a lot in here that will help you understand the perspective. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful book. And mm-hmm. I, you know, go 
go check it out if you're feeling called. So, and I want to, I want to acknowledge you, babe, because having these conversations, you're always so open, open for like what gets to happen. And it, it, it's, it's very brave to, yeah, to do it. Cause I, you could just as easily say, no, I don't want to talk about that. I'd rather focus on other things. Yeah. So I just, I celebrate that as well because I, you never cease to amaze me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, baby. So, (laughs) and it was really cool to see you have that conversation with her. Like it was, it was was the three of us, but seeing you guys also connect over sports and connect over all that stuff was just, oh, I felt like, yeah, it was beautiful. So we hope you guys enjoy it. You're going to cue the music. I'm going to cue it now. Hello, friends. Welcome to The Couple Shift. I'm Maria Leandra. And I'm Jules. And we are a husband and wife team on a mission to shift the way we live our lives and co-create what really matters. We don't always agree, but together, we're figuring it out. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Well, here we are. Kate, thank you so, so, so much. We're not going to lie. We got butterflies over here. Well, I'm honored if you have butterflies. That's awesome. I'm really happy to be here. Seriously, so excited. So thanks for having me. Thank you so, so much. So the reason... You excited, babe? Yes. (laughs) Sorry, I wasn't going to cut you off. Share your excitement. (laughs) Um, So the reason why we have Kate, I mean, there's a few reasons. Um, I discovered Kate recently... Um, I don't know. I don't even know what post it was that I saw you. It was, it was, I think it was on my discover page on Instagram and I see you. And then I see the Lou Gehrig hats that, um, Lou after hours were yeah. doing the four hats. And I was like, Oh my God, I need one of those. So I messaged anyway, it was like one of these beautiful rabbit holes that Instagram can take you on. And mm-hmm. then I discovered you had just released your book or actually when I found you, you were just released it or had or were about to um all the colors came out and of course then I'm piecing it all together and I'm like babe and then I saw that you had worked at ESPN and you had worked with Dan Levitard and you know Jules is a massive Dan Levitard fan and you know we love him living in Miami and all that stuff so I was like babe this woman Kate Fagan you know we like and so yeah and I have I've seen you on like PTI and and other shows he was like like oh yeah yeah I know who she is and I'm like Awesome. Well, this is like, anyway, so that's how we discovered you. And um, when we were talking recently and I was like, babe, maybe we can get Kate on the podcast because I got your book. I was reading it. And, you know, it's one of those things that it was like, wow, that wouldn't that be amazing. And here we are. So here we are. Thank you. Sounds like I was like hitting all of the, um, you know, all of your zeitgeist world. I was like entangled in it. So this is yeah, the algorithm worked out perfectly. And then of course I discover your wife Catherine, who is also a mystical and magical being, as am I. Yeah, and I'm like. This this could not be a better like description of all these worlds colliding because now I'm I'm following her and all you know so all sorts of beautiful things. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of mystical and magical, did did you the new moon the other night? Yeah. I'm not a bit like I'm not the moon ritual person. <laughs> Catherine is, but when she started explaining, Kate, you and me are the same. What moon it was? <laughs> yes. And the double eights. Yes. And the Lion's Gate. Oh yes. I got I got all my the shivers. Oh yeah. yes. yes. Yes, you I have, did a workshop for I hosted a ceremony right and a workshop. Too. I have she has this moon right wa- here is moon water. That's moon water. 
always have it handy. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. He, this. That's one of the parallels, and I have it here. I had a couple of uh, just anecdotes I didn't want to forget to share. Is I think you and Catherine can are very similar to how Jules and I operate in our relationship because he's the sporty science pragmatist, you know, more practical one, and then I'm like the moon child and the more yeah. and more that I let my my freak flag fly he's graciously come along for the ride and is super supportive and we have all these conversations where he's like okay okay sure <laughs> I was gonna ask you Kate are there times where you're like oh, oh that's that's awesome that's cool or you're just there, like there are times because cat well I don't know how obsessed you are with mythology as well but Catherine yeah. is also really like, mythology like heck it Yes, the all the goddess. goddesses, yes. And there are times when she goes to a level of depth about it in detail that I, I can't, I can't, it doesn't quite translate into my mind. So there are certain times, but some of the top level mythology, like I'm really excited about, like, oh, if you can tell me more about Apollo and Zeus, like <laughs> I, I get it. But then there's layers that I don't, that yeah. I don't quite get. Okay, but I actually have a question here because there are things about Kat, our relate my relationship with Catherine where people assume I do one thing uh -huh. that I would be in charge of this thing and I definitely am not like in like the obvious thing in our example is like if we had a light bulb out and we had to get the ladder I'm not doing that that is a that's a, <laughs> like that's a whole lot of like home improvement and I'm not doing like Catherine would be doing that um and obviously things have shifted with your als diagnosis but yeah. like who would who would be what's the quirkiest thing that you can think of that someone would assume one of you is in charge of but the other is actually in charge of i got Ooh. a good one the cleaning no that's not you think that's quirky well it's not it's not something you would assume that you would be the one okay. who like okay yeah, loves yeah, yeah. the yeah. cleaning yeah i'm the i was <laughs> yes yeah i was the cleaning i was the handling of that kind of stuff, like literally, you know, from mopping to dusting to all that stuff to making okay. sure we had clothes cleaned yeah. and stuff. I I suck at folding, but I was always, oh, yeah. yeah, I I was the one that was always doing it, or most of the time before she attacks me and says, so <laughs> um, yeah. But I was, and that's that's my mom. That's all my mom and me. I mean, Cuban, yeah. uh, Cuban, 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 Cuban mothers in particular tend to be heavy duty on the cleaning. And so that was ingrained in us as a child. And I, I just remember like, you know, the cleaning ladies come, so you got to clean the house before the yep. cleaning lady gets oh, yeah. there. That kind of, oh, yeah. that kind of logic. And, um, that was like, I never understood it. But then as I grow up, as I, as I got older, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And mm -hmm. for a long time, we didn't even have a cleaning lady. Cause I was like, no, 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 no. I got this. Like <laughs> why I do a better job than I don't trust anybody. I do a better job. And then yeah. we finally got one because obviously my wife has never been the kind of person like uh -uh. I'll do the basics. Barely. Like our basics. home is clean, you our know, home is clean. but not <laughs> that Barely. level. <laughs> I am I'm the crazy cleaner. Yeah. I well I was the crazy and I you know I still find myself sometimes you probably see you probably see me and you're like what are, what are you what are you doing? Oh, all the time. Where I, I try to grab the vacuum all the time or something. <laughs> it's a it's a it's lightweight. That's a, that's a, the excuse I give. But yeah. I'm barely holding it by a finger just because I want to do it. I want to do it. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's it's just one of those things. I'll I'll still throw I'll still try to throw clothes in the washer and stuff, but I can't yeah. fold it now. So the problem now we have, it just sits in the hamper. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking at her. I'm like, 
it ain't going we've, anywhere. We've I'm not had, doing this. We've I had can. these moments when I'm like, I see it in the basket. Trust me, it will get folded. Just not on your timeline. Two weeks later. But it will. Two <laughs> weeks later. But it okay, will get so, folded. And then I've got to like refluff it because it's all wrinkled already. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I end up I doing do, more work, but. <laughs> yeah. I do this thing because I'm very similar in that I love starting a load of laundry. Mm-hmm. I'm also really good about moving the laundry from the washer to the dryer. But I do this thing that Catherine hates, doesn't stop me from doing it. There's a load in the dryer, it's dry. I put a new one in the wash, it gets washed. It needs to get moved forward. Yeah. Am I going to fold it in the dryer or am I going to double load the dryer Ooh. with the wet clothes <gasps> on top of the dry clothes, then spin it again? That... That's what I'm going to do. So there right now, if you walk to our dryer, there's probably a triple load of laundry oh man that is like rebel status yeah fucking beast that is fucking yeah Yeah, i'm like damn i've never even heard of that before (laughs) no feel free to use it feel free to use it (laughs) what ends up how many loads of laundry can we get in the dryer (laughs) what i've had done is that i get my son i go i'll call my son over and he's four years old and i'm like it's one of those side loading on the floor vacuum um vacuums uh dryers and um I'll, I'll ask him just to pull stuff out and he'll help me out a little bit to pull some of the stuff out and put in the hamper. But the other thing is there's times where it just stays in the dryer and of mm-hmm. course it gets wrinkled. And so what ends up happening is we try to find little like hacks mm-hmm. of like trying to get wrinkles out. And one of the hacks was like throw a couple ice cubes in there. Yeah. <laughs> it, Apparently. This, this, this is real. It works. I saw it on TikTok. <laughs> and then, then I, you know it's real. I sent it to yeah. him and I was like, wait a minute this well, is we the thing it. and yeah, it, you gotta I've, test it i've done it a few times yeah and and for a couple shirts if it's like a shirt or two you want to just get some wrinkles out throw yeah. a couple ice cubes Add turn a little the dryer bit of steam on. in there oh yes it's, it's the steam it's yeah. the steam that kind of loosens it up so you're welcome kinda... <laughs> you're welcome kate we just well here's it. another hack you want if you want a mimosa but you like your mimosas <laughs> without too from much laundry to mimosas i love this i love it the link is the ice cube. Okay. It's the ice cube, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, and Catherine told me this the other day, you freeze orange juice into cubes, ah. pour, pour whatever you're using, champagne, and then plop the orange juice cubes into the champagne. Yes. It keeps it cold, and you get your little, like... Your little mimosa form. little bit of orange juice. So I love the, it. The through line being the ice cube yes. there. There was a through line. Noted. <laughs> nice. Noted. Nice. Um, so I, I'd love to ask, Kate, because you, you gave birth to this book baby in May, um, what has been one of the most surprising things that you've encountered since then that you were like, wow, I never even thought that would happen or that would come out of it? Or, I think, I think when, before the book came out, I thought, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have conversations with lots of different people across because I didn't, yes, the book is about my dad and his diagnosis of ALS and ALS, but I thought, it was going to open the door and people would people would project their own story onto it. So I thought, okay, people who had family members who had struggled with all different kinds of things, I'm sure I'll talk to them. But what's been interesting since the book came out is that the conversations I have with people who are touched by ALS in some way, those are the ones that I feel most are both most, most revelatory, I feel most connected to. And maybe that shouldn't mm-hmm. be surprising, but I didn't think of the book as I was writing it, like, oh, I'm writing this, you know, either way for the ALS community, or I didn't even, I wasn't thinking that specifically. Mm. 
but since the book has come out, it's like whenever I can have a conversation and I can be a part of people's lives who have been affected by it currently are, I really jump at the chance because I am reminded every single time of different things that happened with my dad, situations we had, memories I have that are really powerful to me and I, they weren't even top of mind. Mm. So that's, that's probably been most surprising to me. Yeah. I didn't know that I would be having as many conversations within the ALS world and, yeah. and, and feel so connected to that. I mean, I think to me, it makes sense. Like yeah. I'm surprised that you, that, that, that you thought it was gonna be more of a, like a wide array of people that have suffered I something. Thought people, I thought people would want to talk about like the sports and growing up with the parent who taught you a sport. I think I thought, okay, well, I, I could be not just on the disease end, but I thought, okay, I, I'd be, I thought I'd be talking to more like women of the Title IX era, right? Oh, okay. Who might have connected with their dads in some way and thought, okay, well, that's where the meaningful conversations will come. And so, yeah, it seems obvious now. But at the time, I, I didn't know that that's where I would find the most like value and connection. Yeah, I yeah. think I think um, one of the things that I've struggled, one of the the difficulties that I've had, um, again, not not necessarily specifically the disease. There's plenty of that, but I'm talking. Uh, but finding um, connections with others who suffered, who are suffering with this, at my age, at a younger age. Yeah. That's the hardest thing I've found. So I can I can see why maybe people have gravitated to to the book to t discuss about just ALS itself because it's like it almost feels like there's not many places to go to talk about to 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 speak to somebody who's experienced this or has gone through with this because it's just such a rare disease, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, that's been one of my uh, one of the hardest things to deal with is to find people to talk to about this others around my age and there are people out there i've seen on instagram it's it's kind of hard for me i'm not huge on like social media it's very you know my wife helps me to uh write some stuff because it's just hard to type this stuff anyways just even whatever messages sometimes i do it sometimes i don't um yeah. and when you hear a story about someone um who's had this or who or a family member who's had it and they talk about it and they're open about it. It's almost like for me, I'm like, Oh, I, I want to gravitate towards that to talk to that person, to, to hear how they had to, how they've their story, hear their story about it. You know, um, it's, it's the camaraderie. I don't know. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. Would you well, say? If I can, I, I, Cause when I was answering the question, I was really struggling with the language I was going to choose yeah. because my dad had such strong reactions to how people talked about ALS. And I wrote, I wrote about mm -hmm. this in the book. Like yeah. he would just be so annoyed if someone called it a journey. And, and, and I, and I wrote that in the book, but so now, and so there's a question at the end of this and that even saying, right, like the ALS community or the AL, like, People struggling with like I am so conscious of like that those those language choices and I and I was wondering if if the language being used in the ALS community that people use is there anything you that that rubs you the wrong way about it? Hmm. It's 
Jeez, we were just kind of talking about this yesterday in the mm-hmm. sense of I'll give you an example of something that kind of annoys me a little bit is when I go into these uh, I'm with a UM. I'm at the UM ALS Center. So they have a full team of stuff of, of doctors and, you know, physical therapy, uh, speech pathologists. It, you, you know, the gamut. Right. Yep. Um, and every few months we have uh, an appointment um, where we go in and it's like a check. It's like a checkup or whatever. And one of the things that rubs me the wrong way is when people are like, good luck to your appointment. And I'm like, what do you mean good luck? And it's because it's they don't understand what is going on necessarily. It's not like not to diminish cancer or another disease, but this is the fact. Like if you're going in to check up on, on um, for a, a, like you have cancer of some sort and you're going into your doctor to check up, they want to see if the stuff they're doing, the chemo or the radiation or whatever therapy is working or it's it's not a, it's not progressing it's not spreading you know what i mean yeah. and with als that's not the case it's just like all right let's see what what your status is what what it, it has progressed we know it most like it almost 100% has progressed let's see how far it's progressed yeah. and so when someone tells me good luck at uh, oh how did the how did the appointment go what do you mean it, it, i'm just a lab rat going in there and they're just checking how much strength I have this way or that way. Oh, has it reduced? Oh, he's at this level now. It's not, there's not much positive coming out of it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's the frustration I get in where it's like, you know, that, well, that. I think because, I mean, this is an obvious thing to say, but almost every circumstance in which someone says good luck yeah. They say it to you because you have some influence over the outcome of the thing in mm-hmm. which they're right. offering you luck right. for. Like it's almost always before a sporting event, before a performance, before something, before you get married, right? Like yeah. things where you are a like, uh, you're not just like a passive, like you have some sometimes sort of with control. ALS, it's like you, my dad would do this a lot too. He He'd bring that athlete mentality of like, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, uh, I, that's, that has no bearing really. Obviously you want to eat healthy food. And I mean, things you, we all obviously know, but I think the good luck thing, I totally understand that because you're like, in what way am I influencing this outcome? Yeah. 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 Okay. And a lot of it, I think put, puts pressure on you in in a way. Yeah. To like, and you know, the, also the other question that I, I'm like, Another question. That, well, it is a question. Is when they go, "How did it go?" Like, what do you mean, "How did it go?" I don't want right. to. How did it right. go? We won. I won. Yeah. It, it's, Scored twenty. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's that's that's to me is um is annoying. But here's the thing. I don't mind talking about it. Yeah. In a sense of come and talk to me about it, right? Ask me about it. What are you going through? I'm pretty open on that. Um. That's. We didn't start this podcast because of this. We originally started the, our podcast because my wife decided, you know, she was fired. She was uh, she was laid off um, from um, uh, from her corporate job that mm-hmm. she had had for freaking 14 years, whatever. We've said what it is. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. She worked at uh, Telemundo yeah, yeah. at Universal Telemundo though, um, and uh, was laid off. And she's like, no, I don't I'm not going to deal. I'm not going to do what I, you know, get back into this corporate world or whatever i'm gonna do my own thing um which by the way i really related to that part of your story as well from 
the ESPN perspective. Like when I was reading that, I was like, I feel like I'm reading like where I was and that drive. So yeah, it's, that was a big motivator for me to just like, no. Yeah. And so it was a starting, you know, starting a, a new life of like being entrepreneurs in a sense. I had just quit teaching because I had taught for about seven years. And um, I was the la- my last year at the school was very stressful. Um, you know, it, it was just and she saw it in me. She saw what I was going through um, there. And she's like, I don't want you to do that anymore. Um, let's let's do this. Let's let's take this. Let's work together at this. And and grow this businesses. Um, and, and then it was like, well, you know what, let's talk about it. So let, that we got into the podcast and we just started talking about it. And then I got my diagnosis like six months later. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So I had started, I already had started experiencing like some side of uh, some symptoms. Like I had shoulder issues and I thought it was like a previous injury that I had, um, from, you know, doing intramural sports or whatever it was. Um, and then my thumb stopped working. <laughs> Literally, like I couldn't, yeah. I, the, the right thumb, I could barely move it. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I thought I had like trigger finger or something. Yep. And so time passed. Come March 2020 or something, I go to see a hand specialist because I'm like, this is really annoying. I can't move my hand as much and my left shoulder is bothering me, whatever. But let's see if we can figure out the hand. And the hand doctor tells me straight up, he goes, I think you have ALS. I can't help you. I'm like, what? <laughs> the hand doctor, okay? The hand, yeah, wow. Yeah. And so he, you know, that was uh, a hit in the balls. That's for sure. You know, starting with mm-hmm. COVID starting to happen, things starting to shut down. Yeah. And it was literally the week when everything was shutting down. Yeah. Was when that I'm starting did to think. You- did you believe him when he, I think you said he, when he said that, yeah. or were you more like, like my mom in the book being like, fuck you. I don't believe that. I, it, how dare you just say that out of the blue? I did. And I did. And I was also like, well, he's a hand doctor. He's not a neurologist. And I need more. What I used to teach was biology. I was a bio major. So not to say that I know everything about it, but I had an idea. It, it was funny because I did a, a project when I was a kid on, on ALS on, on Lou Gehrig when I was a kid. Random. I did like a biography on him. I was like, so interesting. And I, that thought was always in the back of my head even before seeing this, seeing this doctor because my arms were twitching. The bi- my biceps were twitching a lot. Not the, not, not, not the same way it is now, but they were twitching. I was like, man, what's up with the twitching? I saw a neurologist. He's like, oh, yeah, your back is twitching too. Um, but there's a lot of things that cause that, blah, 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 blah. You know, we still got to do further testing. Things, then things kind of went away. And then I went to the hand doctor and then he said that. So I wasn't in a state of like, no, screw you. This BS, uh, this is not true. It was, it was scary. And it was the, the little guy in my head that had been saying, what if it's ALS? Now his voice got stronger. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so. You know, then we went to the next steps of seeing a neurologist doing all those freaking nerve conduction studies and all that jazz. Then there was a stoppage where we couldn't do anything because of COVID. Like I couldn't do more of the nerve conduction studies to make sure to check. But, you know, that's another problem with this disease is that there is no diagnosis. Like, you you know, do a blood workup and you're like, hey, you got diabetes because your glucose levels are up. There's no biomarker or anything like that. Right. So. It's when I was like, we checked everything. We don't think it's anything else. So here you go. You probably have ALS. Yep. 
and that I don't know the thing that happened with my dad too was that there's this window of time in which you, you can like get into trials. Yeah. And he just was in denial for so long that by the time he was willing to say, yeah, okay. maybe a trial, then he was not hitting the markers that you need to hit or whatever. It was like, Oh, well, your breathing is at this level and you can't be in this trial. If it is at mm-hmm. this level. Just, it was yeah. very eye opening in a lot of ways. One being like our healthcare system and how, Oh yeah. I mean, I, there were just, I mean, this is like almost just a trope to say, it's just, there was, very little that works the way that actually makes sense for how it should work. I'm dealing with that right now. There's a couple of things yeah. we're dealing with it that yeah. are very frustrating, very annoying, um, and uh, and difficult uh, to get through. Uh, but no, I never went through a when when they told me I had it. I never went through a denial stage. Um, I because I feel like I'm a pretty open-minded person in that sense, I guess, mm-hmm. and. Maybe because of the little bit of the, the science background that I do have and just connecting the dots of that stuff. Um, I was like, okay, so what do we do next? Because, yeah, you know, one thing I do know is you need to act as soon as you can to in the sense of to at least slow progression. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I got lucky. I'm in a, the Healy platform at UM. It's uh, uh, one of the drug trials that I'm in. But at the same time, that's also frustrating because all these drug trials are like to slow things down yeah there's no like real emphasis of reversal not emphasis but um there's nothing really out there that's showing for reversal obviously yeah you know and so you're signing all this paperwork when you're getting into these trials and you're like oh by the way you're not gonna this is they make sure that it says it in there that this is a drug being tested for to see if it is uh to slow it down because yeah. right now there's two FDA approved ones, you know, Rilazol, which is like a pill, and then the uh, Radicava or Etaravarone, the, sh- the injections, which I didn't want to do, the infusions. Um, those are the only two right now that are FDA approved. And those just apparently slow it down. But um, I'm only taking the Rilazol one. And so I'm also doing this uh, drug trial right now. And uh, yeah, it's... I don't know where I'm really yeah. going with this, but it's in the sense of it's it's nothing of yeah. like really pushing for reversal. Yeah. Or, or And my, my experience of you at the beginning is there was a lot of grace in the acceptance of it. There, it was never like a like a giving up thing. It was more like, OK, and what I think we, for both of now? us, we had that. Yeah. Like I felt the same way. I felt this incredible amount of grace and acceptance around it. And that's how I think that's really helped us to operate in a space where we don't it's it's interesting. It's like this nuanced space of not fighting against something, but like fighting for something, if that makes sense. Like you're not resisting it, but you're kind of like putting your energy in that like like, you know, warrior mode towards what does it mean to have a life where you are thriving um, given these circumstances And, you know, of course, with your mindset and, you know, uh, just taking advantage of all the the incredibly precious moments of life while still living, striving for a normal life, you know, being husband and wife and having a rambunctious four-year-old that drives us crazy sometimes. And so, um, and 
you know, I, I wanted to reflect to you and, and when you said earlier about the impact it's had on the ALS community, it's, this is such a specific disease. It's such a specific, um, when you are going through it, know someone intimately who's going through it, it's a very mysterious and surreal place to be. And actually that's one of the things I'd written down and I made a, a note in your book because there was one spot where you were talking about an experience you were having with your dad that you described it as that. And I was like, yes, um, it's, um, what was it? Yeah. Oh, when you were washing your dad's feet in the yeah. hospital. I was so beautiful. And you described it as this like surreal moment, almost like this third, like you're like out of body kind of, and the way our mind wants to process these very painful experiences as we're witnessing this person that we love so much going through this and you're going through your own emotions of what, what does this mean? And the way you wrote this book is, and I think, well, because you had the, the perspective of someone witnessing both the person experiencing ALS, witnessing his main caregiver, your mother, witnessing your sister, your relationship, right? And because you're per you have this perspective of a journalist and storyteller, the way you write this book feels very like palatable. It's very easy to receive and to read as someone who's going through this, like, you know, me day by day. Um, there was so much here that I was like, wow, like, yes, that rings true. And um, for, it was interesting because like the second half of the book, it's more focused on the ALS caregiver, uh, Kate, and the first half of the book is more like the dad relationship. And so it was like there was this marked moment because I, you know, I'm the eldest. I have a great, uh, you know, a great relationship with my daughter. I'm the only girl. And so different relationship. We connected on other things, not sports, but it's like I saw a lot of similarities there. And then it was like it took this beautiful turn. And then it was like, wow, like I felt I felt seen. I felt heard. And it helps me have conversations with him about it. Um, so, it, it, you know, in, in, in so many ways, that same mystery and surrealism of this disease that kind of compresses everything in this like, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like you're you're faced with this like reality that is beyond what I think logically we can understand. And so these other these other aspects of us kind of come in to try to make sense of it. And for me, just being very spiritually connected to the things that I believe in in terms of how our souls chose these experiences in this lifetime and how I, you know, my belief from the beginning was I know I came equipped for this because my soul chose to be here to see this incredible man through this and be with him, my son as well. Like I believe that to the core. And so that gives me a lot of strength and resolve to go through th what what is so hard to describe. Um, so I think your book does that so beautifully because it's like you're telling the story that's it's almost like magical in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that. I think, um, the, I think one, one thing was that, that feeling like you're performing some, mm -hmm. yes, yes. I up to going, you know, helping my dad and being with my dad, 
I hadn't seen anybody, not that I was the first one to ever name this thing or say this thing, but it's not a common thing we talk about. No. That when you're like, even at funerals or when you're grieving or in these very like delicate life moments, it's very hard to stay present for at least for some, like at least my brain. I get very, even when I played basketball, I always was like, what does it, what do I look like playing basketball? Right? Like, what might my mom be thinking watching? Like I always got very like layers outside of myself, yeah, which I think uh, is helpful in some ways and, and detrimental to like stay present in moments. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I thought that these experiences I had with my dad, I hadn't seen anyone really write anything. Not that it didn't exist, but it never crossed my path that really prepared me for the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I've, it's not like I, I read a lot. I haven't read the whole canon of, you know, caregiving, you know, grieving. I haven't read everything, but I thought I'd read enough to realize that too much of it just became very canned mm-hmm. and became over the top positive mm-hmm. yeah. in a way that, as I tried to write in the book, like I then brought that perspective to my dad Mm -hmm. and the expectations I had for him about how he should be and should feel were so unrealistic, but I had them from reading all of the books that told me that he should reach a state of Zen about what, you know, everything. Yeah. And I really didn't want to contribute to that whole storyline because I just didn't, I didn't think that sharing with people a very a sliver of all of the positive and the beauty was going to prepare anyone. I don't know if prepare is the right word, but even convey anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. Because it just, certainly there was beauty and certainly there's magic, like you said. And But I even struggled to say those things because I wasn't the one with ALS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was the one witnessing and projecting like how it was going to affect me going forward in the way I viewed the world. Mm-hmm. And that was always going to be by necessity through this selfish lens. It's even hard for me to say that now. Cause like, if my dad were here, he'd probably make a joke, right? Like, Oh, I'm glad I could let <laughs> my ALS gave you some magic in your life. Yeah. You know, like there's always that anyway, that there's yeah, yeah. I was always trying to balance all of that. The lessons I was learning, the beauty I saw with, his experience having far less of those things. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I feel that. Yeah. I got to be honest. When uh, we bought, when we got the book, I, at first was like, I was, I, I wanted to us to read it together, but I had a difficulty just begin to getting into it. Now, like I said, I, I don't mind discussing it and talking with people about my condition. Um, but, as 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 MA started reading it, I was I couldn't find myself getting into it. It's like watching documentaries and things like that. I can't I can't watch him or uh, about ALS is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it's, like you haven't seen Gleason. No, I can't. Right, right. And my 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 sister's like, oh, it's really great. It's on Netflix. What? I can't find myself putting myself through that. You know, you know what I'm saying. So it's. I, it's difficult. So, you know, we would talk about your book at, at night and stuff. Um, and um, it was just one of those things for me that um, it's, I don't know why it's weird because like I said, I am comfortable discussing what I'm going through and I am 
I am willing to talk to people like me that are going through, uh, you know, the situation as well. But for some reason, for me to read about it, I, I either the emotions get it's just it's too much for me is what I feel. I don't know um, if you've ever I don't even know where I'm going with this. But the point no, is, but that's, it, yeah. it, it's it's hard. It's it's just hard for me to to go. So she'll she'll she'll, she'll talk to me about it and she'll talk to me about the stuff. Um, and uh, one of the things that um, one of the things that I was. Jesus, we had discussed this before and mm -hmm. I forgot it. What we talked about last night. Yeah. Um, Help me out. About the doctor's appointment? Yeah. No? Well, actually, that was something else I wanted to talk. We can talk about that now because mm -hmm. it's fresh in my head. It was was how that process started out with with, uh, with your father, um, the going in. Um, and, and then I, I know she had told me that it was one of those things of like, well, you were first told it was an ALS and then it was. And mm -hmm. then they said, oh, actually, it is. Right. Yes. Yeah, there was an anecdote that you shared about yes. <laughs> the doctor being like, oh, everything looks good. And then started yep. doing more like what, practical what? muscle testing and then was like, oh, this looks like ALS. And that you and your mom yeah. and your dad were like, what the heck? What the hell? Yeah. It was bad. I, I, yeah. I, do you, I mean, do you want me to like, quickly share that again? Yeah, I just I find that so strange because from my again, I mean, I, I, obviously he was diagnosed a lot um, a lot earlier than I was. Right. I don't know if things have changed. In the sense of diagnosis for it, um, but you mean earlier in terms of earlier years, in, right? In years, that's yeah, I mean. like he was diagnosed in 2016. Right. Okay, yeah. but not even that yeah, much. Even I don't even much, think yeah. it's that much of a difference in the sense of the way they diagnose mm -hmm. it. They do the nerve conduction studies, I'm sure, right? Yep. Where they had like that cattle prod thing, and then they would freaking zap him with electric, right? Yeah, and the, the tongue thing. See, I didn't get the tongue thing. Okay. I so only... I think what, yeah, I think what happened was because we were at Columbia. Okay. And I think what happened was that. Because my dad, with a history of playing basketball and athlete background, right. I think all of those tests that came back with numbers, he was still so, so strong in them, mm. whatever that means. Like mm -hmm. his breathing was still at 99%. The tongue thing was fine. All of the, the muscle stuff was fine. And, okay. so, and the, so the doctor was looking at those. And I didn't want to be in the room with my mom and my dad because this was like the official... Like other people had floated the idea of ALS and I was like, I want to go down, but like, I don't know at that time I hadn't been through like a ton of hard things. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to step out of the office. And he called me in because he was like, everything looks, it's, everything looks good. Come on in. We're going to be okay. So I okay. go sit down mm -hmm. and then he does the, um, the knock on the knee and, and the pressing up of the thigh. And I think those, Though, I mean, I don't know the intricacies of it, because but I think those really raised red flags for him. Okay. On like a feel level, as opposed to just looking at the data. And then all of a sudden, you know, as someone at that point, I think he's been there 20 years. He's like, he has a certain feel for. Right. Yeah. For And so the feel of it completely changed everything for him. And really? it mid, mid, mid meeting, he was like, just completely 180 on 180. us. That, that to me is, is insane. Yeah. And, and that, that one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, everybody's story with ALS is completely different. Totally. So someone yeah. gets uh, prostate cancer. For example, my father had prostate cancer and they had to remove his prostate. Um, I think anybody they get finds out that they have prostate cancer, it's a similar path, either remove, radiation, whatever, right? Yep. It's pretty clear. They do a test. It shows up, whatever. You know, breast cancer, pretty similar. Are there some variations? Sure. Um, but everybody kind of falls in that group. 
But with ALS, it's not the case. So Mm-mm. his, your father's was onset on the legs or upper body? Left hand. He left was playing. Okay. Ba- he was still playing basketball. Couldn't catch the ball to his left hand. All right. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah. So it was it was upper extremities. Yeah. So same thing yep. with me. It was, yeah, shoulder pain and first for me. But you know, I was still pretty active. I was playing, I was playing basketball. I was playing mm-hmm. uh, like you know softball and and flag football. And, like I would do a lot of intramural sports just to get out of teaching, like yeah. my my release right. And um, I the, I started having a little bit of issues and that's you know with the left shoulder and then it progressed like i said um but even still i've i've only really talked to one other person around my age and that guy was a couple years older when he got diagnosed but it affected his lower extremities first and it's a completely different animal of what he went through or what he's going through and that what i think that's the the uniqueness about this freaking disease um, and where I'll, I, th- I feel like a lot of frustration it is because it's like nobody really has the same story, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. So you can't, if your brain works in a way where you want to like map what's going to happen, yeah. some semblance, you want to create a framework. So you're like, okay, so here's how it progresses. Here's what we can expect here, you know, and you, there's, there's, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a general framework, but it is, it's completely hard. Like my dad was lucky enough that it started in his left hand and then went up to his shoulder. So, you know, for, for someone who's right-handed, that was better than it starting in his right hand sure. or starting in his foot, because then you're like right away, mm-hmm. you can't walk or you're on crutches and then you're in a wheelchair. So it's like, that was a stroke of luck for him. Right. But in my case, it started in my shoulder and went to my right hand. And now my left leg. Yeah. So it went to my right hand first, my thumb. And then, I mean, I, I, and I noticed it in the, the, the most, I remember the day, um, the night actually I was playing, I I love video games too. So I used to play video. I still try to, I figure out ways to do it. Um, it's a place that I can disconnect, you know, and it's Jesus. And, uh, whenever I can, it's just a, a, a moment to pause this bullshit, you know, the daily grind of this, um, to disconnect somewhere else. Right. Um, what I noticed was I was playing and all of a sudden I was like, I was telling my buddy, I'm like, I got to stop. I can't move my right thumb for some reason hmm. in the middle of the thing. And it's like, so mine started in my left shoulder, went to my right hand, then went to my left bicep, then went to my, my left hand strength got a little bit weaker, but my thumb movement in my left hand is, is better than my right hand. And then now my left leg is getting affected. Did did when when your right thumb when you were playing vi- uh, video games? Yeah. And you're like I can't move my. Right, did it come back, or from that moment forward, did it stop working? It's not that it stopped. It, it, it was I was finding difficulty to move. Like for example, the joystick. I was like, why why can't yeah. I do this? And uh, so what I would do is like I noticed that heat pads would help a little bit. So I'll put heat on it almost every every time if I was gonna go play or something. I'll put heat on it prior to starting. And then it took yeah. me a little bit of time to get warmed up and all stuff. And then finally, but then I would still, it, w- it wasn't the same. Never, anything was never the same. And it just slowly got worse and slowly got worse and slowly got worse, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and what I, ex- I've, what I've, I've experienced is I've gone through these things. Like I call them like thresholds of difficulties. I don't know if that's something that maybe your father experienced where you get used to living with what you have, 
living with the you know the difficulties um of you know moving around or, or working with stuff or simple th- you know and then all of a sudden you hit to a point the next you get to a point where it's like oh i can't do that anymore now i have to readjust it that's another difficulty I have with people when they ask, oh, why don't you get this to help you out with this, with whatever situation? I'm like, um, I don't want to get something that I'm going to learn to use now. And then a couple months later, my body's going to be like, well, we're going to take that muscle away from you or that ability away from you. So now everything you've learned the past month or two of trying to, you know, find another way around it is, you know, pointless. It's, yeah. it's a that's probably the hardest thing you know to deal with that and you know when they ask me how are you doing mentally wise <laughs> that's one of those i've i have a th- we have a therapist we both see which i highly recommend it shouldn't be just the person going through it it should be the caregiver and having counseling together at times because the communication is so important um and uh the doctors will ask me how, how are you feeling i go uh, the last at that last appointment, I remember I was telling the doctor he was. I was like, "You remember in the Avengers movie when freaking uh, um, Banner comes and joins them, and they're like, all right, man, we need you to get angry.'" And he goes, "That's the thing, Cap. I'm always angry." It was one <laughs> yep. of those moments where I was like, "To me, I mean, this is kind of like whatever." Um, I was the thing is, I'm always sad. I innately that main feeling of sadness and just. This sucks. It's always there, but I'm able to manage it and I embrace it in a sense of like, I can't lie. You were talking about that uh, with the with the books that you had been reading about the caregivers to giving that positivity and all that stuff. You know that push. I feel like look, I the sadness is here. It's not going anywhere because this sucks. Because you know I trade anything to get rid of this. Obviously. I'm not going to sit here and deny it and pretend if I, you know, it's there. I embrace it. I understand it. But I also, I do have happiness. I do have wonderful moments and laugh and get angry. Definitely get angry um, and try to make the best out of it. But to sit, I, I think it's very important not to deny that. You know, it's, I'm sad. I'm, it's, this sucks. I don't want to be in this situation, but yeah, we make the best out of it. Right. Well, yeah. And and. It's one story that I maybe you didn't read because I know Ma read the book that yeah. really <laughs> that really. Sorry, um, I don't know if that it, that I I I just I I. No, that's honest. I, I that wasn't. I wanted like, to be honest. How dare you not read the book? <laughs> I <know. laughs> uh, I'd have to go around saying that to hundreds of millions of people. Um, no, I am glad to know that, and I think that's such uh, that that I was happy that you said that yeah you shared that because I totally get that I mean I don't I'm not sure if my dad were still here that he would read the book you right know? like mm-hmm. if it was about a certain period of time I'm not sure that he would but I was going to say that one thing that was really eye-opening to me that I think your Instagram post the other day about the muscle twitching made me re- remember was when I was driving with my dad and I was really curious about how much he thought about the disease. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, what's the longest you've gone since, what's the longest you've gone without remembering you have ALS? And he took a long time to think about it, which made me like kind of, which made me think, okay, he's adding up the time. 
Right. And then he came back and he was like three seconds. Yeah, I can see Three that. seconds is the longest he'd ever gone. You know, it, and I probably asked him this in 2019. He was diagnosed in 2016. So that's three years. And that, it was very eye-opening to me because I adored him. It was very prevalent in my life, but I could certainly go 12 hours without remembering it if I was home with Catherine. And it was just very... And I don't know if you, mm-hmm. I imagine that most people you talk to who have ALS, like, how can you go longer than that? If, you know, I'll say that I, I that. totally, I can totally understand that point. Do you think at what point when you asked him this, at what stage was he, that he felt that it was three seconds? Because I can see it as, as for me, the early stages of it. Um, I mean, I guess I am in the early stages of it really, but in the real early, when I first got diagnosed, yeah, there was a lot more moments. It was longer than three seconds, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But as it's progressed, the time where I forget that I have something or I'm not thinking about it or it's not in the back of my mind has dramatically dropped. You know what I mean? Yeah. The time has really got in shorter and shorter. Um, yeah. And um, I, I'm curious, were you interested of... You know, did you ask if, in the sense of what are those three seconds? In the sen- Almost like... <laughs> Right, like what what happened in those three what seconds? Those three what happened? What are you doing during that time? That yeah. Because I'll <laughs> tell you, for me, the moments where I don't think about it is when I don't think about it. I guess is is probably um, is probably just having f- like fun, normal conversations with friends that it's not talking about what I'm going through or something you know, a show that we enjoyed or whatever it is, especially TV or sports, like I. I watch the Marlins. Freaking struggle to watch the Marlins, but I watch the Marlins. <laughs> I am a Marlins fan. It's my town, so I go for them. And um, it's, you know, those moments where I get to talk, oh, man, you know, this player, this player is doing great or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. little moments is a time that I can, you know, disconnect, like that, that I don't, that I'm not actually thinking about it. But the minute, the minute that I, a twitch happens. Yeah. Or the minute that I have to adjust myself, it's like, oh, there it is. What about when you're working on your stand-up? Oh, that? Oh, oh I want to hear more oh, about that. <laughs> you, you, you know. You know I got to bring so that So obviously, up. I mean. Because well, I'm so proud. The, uh-huh. Jesus Christ. Um, Do it for us. Let's go. No. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> yeah. One of the, uh, Come on. One give of, me a bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, I say but, that because those I I, I that, feel your energy. I'm very like attuned, right, to okay. Jules, and I never pretend to know what he's feeling, right? I'm like he's having his experience, but I'm I'm very attuned to him, and so I know there are these moments when he's just like in in the zone of doing something that there's a lot of passion in, mm-hmm. that it feels like there's this like oh, freedom like an op- of yeah of freedom of of this disease. Um, and yes, but that's having conversations with friends. I feel like, because I'm, I'm okay. So I, I don't know if, did you, did you, was there like a bucket list of things that you wanted that your dad wanted to do at any point after like the acceptance of it? Did he ever get to that point? Yeah. But we were in denial for so long that those things became impossible to not impossible, but a lot harder, a lot harder. Yeah. Like go to Yellowstone park became a much harder when he we had a mobility van and it was like, well, how are we going to do it? So, yes, he there were a few things, but he didn't 
that was that to me that was the pain of denial was like mm-hmm. we live he just kept going to work every day you know the thing where you're like well let's rearrange things right now to prioritize yeah especially because you you know he's older he was 59 when he got diagnosed and like your denial is causing you to go into the office every day and do something that you that's not how you want to be spending your time so yeah yeah um <clears throat> it, yeah it's it, again perfect it's a totally it's a different dynamic i'm I got diagnosed when I'm 36 years old, when I was 36, which was a year and a half ago, two years mm-hmm. ago. So it's, it's, it's a very different dynamic. But I, I understand with that uh, denial. I, I feel it from friends and family, to be honest. It's like, well, they're doing their lives. They're living their stuff. I'm like, I don't think they realize what I'm going through sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, that's been really hard. for. That's been really hard for me for him. because it's like I hear stories of not to throw any family or friends under the bus or like cleaning things out or doing other stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting here not getting any better. And, you know, I'd like to go do things, whatever. So we started a bucket list of a couple little things. And one of the things was to get back to the comedy was <laughs> I wanted to do at least five minutes of, of, um, of stand up, um, at an open mic night or whatever. And so I said it to her, but, I'm the kind of person that I'll say something and it just gets thrown away. This one over here, be like, all right, now I got to get to work and figure this out. <laughs> and so she contacted a former co-worker of hers who's a, who, who, who a comedian as well. And, um, and so he was, he was actually, the funny thing is how the world aligns. He was starting a, uh, a program. Mm-hmm. You know, he had gone through like a, like a program, uh, like a kind of like a coaching program, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. So um, we got into contact. The guy's great. I have a, a good time. We meet every like week for like the next for the past like five weeks or so. And by the end of this, I'll have five minutes, which I already kind of do. I just got to refine it and stuff. Um, but it's been a, a wonderful experience in a sense of that has been the moments where I really get to disconnect. Having said that, even in my act, I'm talking about ALS. Right. I say right. it. Because it's like the elephant in the room. It's obvious. So it's it's a part of me. It's important. And uh, I'm going to make fun of it. Um, but, you know, it's there. Wait, I, I'm, such a, I'm such a journalist and a content maker or whatever that means. Are you filming this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? You're not the first person Are you person filming this process? Me. And that this sounds like a great short film to me. Not really. No. <laughs> only, but honestly, only if the five minutes are really funny. Exactly. Because if, if they, they suck, suck then... then... No, no, they're good. They're good. No, thankfully, yeah, that's Jules... You. That's, see, no. she's saying that. She's my wife. Of course Listen, she's going to say if that. If you right. sucked at something, I'd say, honey, I love you. But that's not... <laughs> this is not your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. But I really do... I really do believe you have that it factor of like the timing and all that stuff. I think you're hilarious and as much as you annoy me you make me laugh so um (laughs) no I really do think it's gonna be great and somebody recently told me like oh you should be filming like the process of it and I'm like yes yeah I've taken a couple pictures here and there (laughs) but now I'm like because I'm also like my content creator brain is like always like ding ding and so yeah you should go to the next meetup and just film it oh it's here yeah they train they train like they train they train (laughs) yeah yeah Joke training. Joke yeah. training. Yeah, but when, when he does the bit on stage, for sure, that'll be oh, captured. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, uh, no question. I am so nervous about that. No question. I've always believed that this is not going to soothe your nerves. I there's I used to have this argument with a friend of mine um, who suggested that she would rather do stand-up comedy for a night 
than be one of those people on the street who asks you to sign for the environment. Oh, hell yeah. And I would much rather ask people to sign for the environment on the no, street. I cannot. <laughs> That's such a. Like, we would, remember, we used I'm to like, go to, who we... would pick stand up? No. Unless Wait, you but how many hours would. are you asking for autographs? Or is well, it even so? Let's say like 30, is it, like, right. Like, let's say an hour. Is it five to five minutes, minutes or 30 minutes to five minutes? Or what's the. Right. There can't be a one to one because 30 yeah. minutes of stand up equals. That's a probably, long time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, t- 10 minutes of stand up, I would rather do a month on the street. Stop really? it. No way. No way. <laughs> oh, the fear no. I have of standing up in front of people and stepping out there because you've made a pact that you, you think you're being going to be funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's crazy. You are very brave for this and it needs to be recorded. Well, uh, so you know what got me the confidence was going to an open mic night and seeing people. <laughs> Realizing that it's bl- not that bomb. Funny. He and got like, in the car afterward. He's like, babe, I think I can do this. I think I, like, if, even if I look something like those guys, it's going to be better than those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, no, I cannot, I, I can't stand those people to be honest to sign the petitions or, I know. Oh I know. my God. You get out of, we get out of target. Yeah, they used the, to, oh, they used to they be at target all the time. Hassle you. Yeah. And they would like try to have conversations with you. I'm like, man, I'm just trying yeah. to get the car, man. Just leave me alone. Yeah. 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 I believe we have to save the environment too, but I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> You're wasting paper right there. You're burning the environment. Right there. No, I don't need to sign anything. It's yeah. No. Um, oh my gosh. No, I'd rather do the comedy. That's for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm... I am. So <laughs> these these five minutes better hit the gram. Jeez. Oh yeah, no. I I, I don't know how much of it will will hit will, will be there, but <laughs> I'm so nervous and it's like, oh, people are asking, Oh, we'll be there. I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh. No. Nobody's gonna be there except I for think, my wife. Oh, no. And then if I really like it and it actually doesn't go bad. Yeah, then, I have a feeling bad, I'll probably do it. My again. spidey senses yeah. tell me you're going to do it like at least twice. And I think the first one, it should be totally on the DL. Right. So you get yeah, a yeah. chance to get your yeah. I'll still record it, of but course, we're not going to invite anybody. And then the second time we well, can be record like everything. You're, well, yeah, of course. Except for that. And I'm so proud of you. I'm like, you know, yeah. one of the things that I treasure so much about doing this podcast and the fact that I do love taking pictures and capturing video is Again, going back to this friggin' realities of ALS and how this thing just like devours um, your life. And, and it's like one of the things that I love so much is that you've been, from the beginning, babe, you've been so expressive. You've been so open to sharing. You never hold yourself in, like hold, like, a, like in a hole, you know? Like you yeah. never put yourself in a cave. Um, and I think it's, it inspires the heck out of me. And it's feels like such a gift to to witness you and to see you stretching yourself and taking yourself on and being courageous about things that you could just as easily be like nope i'm good like mm-hmm. that's it how um, how, how, how long did your father work at where he was working um it, until he couldn't drive anymore mm. so oh, wow. up until the last 6 no, it was a little longer. He probably, yeah, six to seven months he stopped. My mom drove him for a while to okay. work. But yeah, I don't, I mean, that I don't know what he would say about that now rather than. Because I wonder if know. that was a place where he would forget about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and he worked with his brother and my nephew. And so there was like, he loved being with them. Okay. So there, it was that it wasn't yeah. like, I'm going to the sterile office with like people right. I don't know. It was like a family business. So yeah. in some ways it was a community that he enjoyed going to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's um, been... back to the standup. Oh. <laughs> no, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, I know you can't perform the bits. Uh, the bit. I don't know if it's how many jokes are within this five minutes. So no, I have a structure. There's a structure. Okay. There's a story that connects everything. It's my my experiences. It's is it like six strung together, like six jokes, like six like joke pods. Let's call them. I don't know if it's that. Something that might be like too long. No, it's seven. like three or four like big things, and then in between. Oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah it's not that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've heard. I know, but it feels like six li- six like jokes strung it a together. Little bit. Yeah, it was um, good. What was what's what surprised you about about the, the process of it? Um, well, you have there's different. I guess um, there's no real like playbook in the sense of how you're going to do it. People go out, people have success in many different ways. Right. Um, but the main thing is if you're going up there, just the wing stuff, that's a, you know, good luck to you. It's a very difficult, yeah. you know, that's a very good, difficult task to take or challenge to do. Um, this, what I found, um, I mean, I follow a lot of comics. I love like Tom Segura and, um, and Dave Chappelle, those guys. Um, and so I listen to their podcast too and stuff. And uh, one of the, one of the things that I I already knew is like I wanted it to be almost like a storytelling in a sense. So the, the the structure of the storytelling and in between that there's the jokes that break it down. But um, I guess it's one of the things that he one of the, the coaches was telling me was try to get to the point with the most minimal words as possible. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that to me was like, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. And it's like, all right, you have a joke set up. All right, let's see. What can we get rid of to get yeah. to the punchline faster? And so developing that, building that, at first I was like, oh, I, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll get it. But once I once I had the the structure of the of the jokes, the, the story that I wanted to do in five minutes, um, now, I, now I'm able to see it. I'm like, okay, I can get rid of this. I can shorten this. I can... You know, yeah. it's it is storytelling, at least for me. Yeah. There's other methods, you know, obviously where it's like those uh, street jokes and stuff. But that doesn't, you know, if someone's going up there to just tell street jokes, you know, um, like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. you want to you want to know what's their ops. I, like, I like observational humor more than I like other kinds of humor. OK. Yeah. And that, that feels like the storytelling of someone's life, what they've observed during that, that they're pointing out to me that somewhere in the recesses of my mind i've thought about seen that. and but i but this person is like putting that funny spin right on. that is yeah. the genius right 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 yeah. and it's about figuring that out i mean yep i find myself always and you know you can attest to this i always i will always i'm always i'm an observer i'm always looking at people and seeing like man what the hell's wrong with this guy like what is he doing there <laughs> And I'll yeah. and I'll I'll tell her. I mean, look look at this person. Like, what the what's 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 going on here? And you tell like yeah. a story. I'll come and, up with and like I'll a, come up with a story, story about like of yeah. like why this person is dressed the way they are or acting the way they are or doing whatever they're doing. You know, I've yep. always been like that. I I I you know, she can't. I there's so many times we're in the car and she's like, I don't care. For example, <laughs> of like, Jeez, and this, is, 
let me let me explain not Where about people going? not observing people but like looking at cars i'm like oh, oh. like i like car i love cars too so yeah um i'll see a car and i'll see uh, we'll see a car drive by and in, and in miami jesus christ there's so many mm-hmm. i don't know where these people find the money for but anyways um it's one of those things I'll, I'll point it out. And there have been so many times where you're like, oh, God, I don't care. Like, I don't see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, look at these taillights or something. I'll call out those things because I just find them intriguing because I'm always looking yeah. around at stuff. Yeah. And that's always been one of those uh, always, you know, I think that's what's contributed to the reason why I wanted to do the, the stand up is because I wanted to. I wanted to talk about it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. But like I said, like it has been such a cathartic thing for me of just being just a process of getting the stand up is a stand up. But actually, the best the 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 best experience I've had is just preparing for it, because yeah. even though I'm talking about ALS, I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. Which is so you're weird. Thinking me, about right? the joke. And I'm you're thinking, thinking about, about the, the words and the story. Exactly. And the, yeah. I'm not yep. bogged down by the feelings that I have about what I'm going through. I'm not thinking yeah. about what's going to, what am I going to be in a year? I do that already enough. All right. And it's like, I get that moment. I get, it's a moment of like, uh, disconnect, a clearing of, of, of clarity or whatever. Um, that, you know, I'm always hunting for that Yep. because you know, when, when we, when we, when we get out of here, it's like, all right, I have to stand up. I'm, you know, and go, I don't know, if I got to go to the bathroom or something, it's, it's, it, there's always a mission. <laughs> Everything yeah. becomes a mission. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah. whenever I don't have to think about the mission, it's great. Yep. It's, it's a well, freedom. What's, what's, what's so interesting about that to me is that like, even though it seems like it's, it's on an extreme for you, like we're all chasing that feeling of being immersed in a creative moment or immersed, whatever the thing is where time isn't relevant. Yes. You're not deconstructing life. You're not like inside your own mind. Like time just passes because you're so immersed in a thought or a task. Mm -hmm. Like that's the blissful moments of life. Obviously when I'm not in those things, I'm not ruminating on the same things that you're ruminating on though. So that, that disconnect is different. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it, I feel like a lot of people, always are, are striving for that there are some people though that i feel like they're just we were talking about this earlier that there's they're, they're just cogs in some kind of gear chain and they just can't get out of it they can't i feel like I mean, we're all in a sense a cog in some sort of freaking chain of gears right um yeah but we tend to look back at ourselves and be like what the hell is this you know what i mean and i feel like a lot of people don't do that they're don't, just like don't do that Wake up, yeah. do this, do this, do this, do this, uh, uh, yeah. and that's their mm-hmm. life. And I'm like, there's got to yeah. be more than just that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it seems like everybody here on this on this podcast is. I am a very deep deconstructor of everything that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the point that I think is I, I go overboard, but like after every social interaction, I'm like, okay, let me deconstruct how that went yeah. and. The takeaways and what it reflects about life. And I do get very confused when I come across people who, and in some ways I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some way. Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. Because yeah. they're very much like, there's a fr- they're not it, getting it, bogged down in what that meant and what, because a lot of the times what I'm projecting onto something, I'm probably 90% wrong. Right. So it's like the story I'm building about all of this and what they meant and how, like, it's not doing me a ton of favors 
even though I can't deconstruct myself from that programming. Right. So I get jealous of people. I'm like, I don't think they're pausing to wonder what it means or what that was about. And I'm like, that must be joyful in some ways, even though I'm incapable of it. Right. It's like ignorance is bliss kind of a deal. Right. Yeah. I guess. Uh, do you yeah. feel that your that your wife is more of that um, more constantly deconstructing that? Or do you feel like you're 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 more into that? I think that's more me, although since we've really? been married, it's now like we're I think she deconstructs things more now. That oh, we're because I because, feel like. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just think that for so often, like, you know, we'd, we'd get off a call or something and I'd be like, hmm, did you notice that person's tone at the, you know, <laughs> do you think that that meant that they're, and so now she'll get off calls and be like, hmm, I'm, and I'm like, I don't know if this is the best <laughs> personality trait that I've yeah. lent to her, but yeah. <laughs> I feel my wife was the one that would always deconstruct everything, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And I, I did too, but I never to the extreme that she would, that she does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You would agree with yeah, that? Yeah. No, I've had to, I've gotten thankfully to make a lot of peace with how my mind, how my brain works. But I remember years ago being, again, when I was in the corporate space and it was like, I knew it was like, I was just constricted and not really being the fullness of who I could be. And I felt inside. And I never forget one time telling you, I was like, babe, sometimes I wish I could get a, like a lobotomy of that place in my brain <laughs> that makes me this way so that yeah. I could just like relax a little bit and I don't wish that anymore and now because I've I've made a lot of peace with it and I've embraced so much so many more like aspects of who I am that it feels a lot more freeing but that that like uh, yeah it's it's but I don't think uh, as a couple I don't think both of us can be at the same level because then you'll no. lose your mind somebody somebody's gonna be day. like you're overthinking this calm yeah. calm, yeah. calm oh, your yeah, ass yeah, down yeah. you know what i mean yeah okay yeah. you try to do that you've grounded me a lot so you're so sure, your so your wife has, is the one that's basically telling you kind of like all right take it easy when you um, get to those points now or not? now it's almost like she's lapped me on this right? <laughs> oh okay 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 <laughs> and now i'm like i think I think we're too far. We're too far we're down too our deep. own rabbit hole on this. Like we've lost sight of reality. Completely. <laughs> but, oh, that's so, so good. Yeah, we do have to sometimes do that because it's like you're just making up your own movie, right? Like, yeah, you, you got like you got like mm -hmm. a three minute interaction with somebody, and then you build like a, a whole two story hour oh, movie yeah. on like what their motivation was when and of course i'm so charitable with my own motivations and less so with other people's and mm -hmm. so i try to just stay super cognizant of that even i know i'm not going to stop it but i just try to add the extra layer of awareness about the layer of awareness yeah so, <laughs> this i don't know if that's the best way to do it. <laughs> awareness on top of on awareness top. layer and layers on layers <laughs> yeah no i think i those there's times where you'll tell me something i'm like you're over. You think that person's actually thinking that they don't give a shit. They already <laughs> yeah, forgot that's it. Probably right. You know what I mean? Probably it's like right. just let it go. Yeah. I and the thing is, I'm glad that I mean it works. Our relationship works great because I can understand her, her overthinking that kind of stuff. Her her thinking about you know what are they? Because I do it too. But I also am a realization. We're like, well. I don't do that for everybody. So what makes you think that they're doing it too? Like overthinking yeah. that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's good to be aware of it, but also not to go down that rabbit hole mm -hmm. of like, we do. Yeah. I hear you. You know? <laughs> so like I said, it's weird discussing it. Sometimes I get, uh, I get, I get a release. I get a relief from it. That's yeah. why I want to find more people around my age that have this, or at least caregivers that have experienced this. 
um, because you 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 find um, uh, comfort in mm-hmm. in the camaraderie, and also you have to explain things less, which I think you is have to part of the really like, taxing yeah. part about ALS or other conditions as well. But ALS, it's like. I know he gets, it's like this emotional tax of having to explain it. It happens to me in my own, like from my caregiver wife perspective, right? Yeah. So when you can talk to someone and you can just, like you, we can just kind of land in a place where you get it, we get it. It's like you just kind of go into it and there's not this, this need, this like, again, it's just like more work for me to also explain what I'm experiencing, which already sucks. So it, Totally. There's, yeah. there's, that's, that's one thing I've, I wanted to ask. Did you run into a lot of people that were like, what is that? Yes. And actually the majority of them were in healthcare. Really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's not like they were like, what is that at all? It's that you, you got to this, you, they would say things kind of like your good luck comment mm-hmm. where <sighs> we'd be in a rehabilitation facility and someone will come by and be like, just, you know, to my dad. Just stay focused. You'll get stronger. And it's like, right. Stuff like that. Or even we were so vigilant at times if he had to like go into the hospital for something because they would just by instinct, put him on oxygen. And, you know, it was like, he can't, his problem was obviously blowing off the CO2. And so it's like putting him on more oxygen. It's not going to, he'd have to blow off more CO2 that he was incapable of. And I'm like, how are, how is this not, a standard understanding right um like at you know in emergency rooms or wherever but you realize that it's it's not and so but yeah it, it, even everyday everyday um people i just i always had I, I i was always struggling against and, and maybe you can relate to this where like i didn't i wanted to be respectful of other diseases that other people were dealing with yeah mm-hmm. while at the same time being like but ALS is the fucking worst. Yeah. Like, yes. You know, but like, but I'm not, it's not the, it's not the disease Olympics, but also yeah. I need you to acknowledge that there's a difference between X disease and ALS, you know, mm-hmm. and not yeah. everything is a one-to-one. Yeah. I would always have those feelings a lot while also allowing for the fact that, you know, yeah. everybody's whatever they're going through is very big to them. Right. And, and can be, you know, it's not, it's not like ALS is the only disease, right? But I, no, but yeah. I always struggled when people would be like, you know, oh yeah, so and so had this, and I'm like, but that's nothing. Right? Like what yeah. We're Thank about. you for articulating that because I think that's one of the things, babe, that you've always like said from the beginning in your way of like, you know, not to put down other disease. Like you no, said, it's, it's not the not disease about putting Olympic. Them down, but it's no. it's and not the disease. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody's winning no, no, medals. No, you don't here. get it's, it. Or if somebody's yeah. like, oh yeah, exactly, that same thing. Oh, somebody else had this, and I'm like. No, 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 you don't understand. And, 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 like, let me break this down for you. And yeah. even even within the ALS community of, like, for example, I don't, we don't use the UM's uh, uh, clinic offers therapies as, uh, therapists as well. Um, but the lady that was there, I mean, she's retired now, so I can say this. <laughs> Super old. Um, the thing is, most of their patients are very old. So even within the ALS community, they don't mm. know what the hell's going on in my head mm-hmm. and going yeah. what I'm going yeah. through. Yeah. Because I'm so young, you know. Yeah. And you have a young kid and, and it just y- changes everything about yeah. how so, you're experiencing it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's when when people say, Oh yeah, my, my grandfather died of ALS. I'm sorry for that. Yeah. Absolutely. 
he was diagnosed when he was 85. The man lived his life. Okay. Yes. He yeah. lived his life. My life yeah. is being taken away from me at what's supposed to be, you know, yeah, my young peak life, I guess. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. It's yeah. And, and it's a very, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not, not, same. It's not yeah. to knock it. It sucked for him when he was 85, but he got to see his kids grow up. He got to see his kids have probably have kids. He lived a pretty good life or she lived a pretty good life because that's the vast majority of the people that get it are yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s. They've lived their life. Yeah. And they've got yeah. to experience all those things. Yeah. My heart, the hardest thing, and I always get emotional about it, is like, um, is, is with my son and the things that I want to do with my son. And, uh, yeah. that's always the hardest thing to go through. Like I want him to play baseball. I want him to play all different sports. I want to, I want to play with him with his toys. He loves dinosaurs and things like that. And I struggle to do it. And he doesn't understand why, right? He yeah. knows something's wrong with Poppy, but he doesn't understand why. Um, and it's super frustrating. That's the hardest. Those are the yeah. hardest moments. Those are the hardest moments. And like those moments are ones that, you know, when, when you're diagnosed, when you're 70 or 80, like you're not dealing with the emotional impact of losing those moments, which is right. a huge, like emotional and, and physical thing to deal with. And like, so I, I totally understand with like, I, sometimes I get frustrated when people say like, oh, well, we have to have awareness in conversations. Like when we're talking about other things. Right. But like when it comes to ALS sometimes I'm like, that actually is a huge thing that if people actually understood what the disease did yeah. and took away at various levels, right? Like when someone's diagnosed in college and then in their thirties, the emotional impact of that, I think we have a very different conversation about how we want to fund cures and how we want to fund research because yeah. where, when we, everyone thinks of it as like, you get it when you're older and and, and they, and they don't understand what happens even when you're older, yeah. if we all knew that this monster was lurking around the corner, even if it wasn't for 20% of us, but it was for whatever the percentage is. Yeah. I don't want to live in a world where that monster exists at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. I want to get rid of cancer because it impacts, you know, a higher percentage of people, but I'm also equally like, but I'm terrified of that over there as well. Yeah. Because the impact when you get it is so devastating, like on all of these levels. And I feel like if we all as a country were like knew that more, mm -hmm. we would fund it differently and we would prioritize it differently. So yeah. that's why I still feel like it's like a crucial thing to even talk about. Yeah, so. it is. And and the, the other thing that um, I one of the things that I will go to during the, the during everything locked down is that they would have these symposiums on like zoom and stuff or whatever because obviously nobody's going anywhere but i couldn't even i couldn't even i think i did a little bit of one and then i was like it's the same reason why i don't like watching documentaries or reading things about it or stuff like that because it's frustrating but in in particular uh with with those symposiums of these doctors saying oh the new d uh data is coming out all they keep saying is uh a cure is, is we're close to a cure it's just a financial thing it's just a financial thing. You know, it's just a, it's a money thing. Like, well then fuck, get the money. It's like, well, yeah. what the hell? And it, and then the other issue is that in the States, everything is about early diagnosis, early diagnosis. That's the, that's the yeah, focus, like the focus of research of yeah. research is early diagnosis in the States. I'm like, why, why shouldn't the focus be treatment? Yeah. Forget about learning about it earlier. What are you going to do about it when you find about it earlier? 
I understand the importance of it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying maybe you should be pushing more of treatments that are are showing positive results or showing some sort of reversal or whatever the case, you know? Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, the COVID's been eye-opening where it's like, oh yeah, I guess if we do put $10 billion into a vaccine, amazing, right? have a vaccine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. it's just, it is is pretty disheartening when you're like, this is a mobilization issue. Uh Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, people don't want to be mobilized to something like to, when when it's like it's not in their life and it's scary yeah why would i why would i want to spend any time thinking about that mm-hmm. and yeah. it's hard to, i mean it's almost i mean we we see it I mean, you guys see it every day you see it every day where it's like if you knew what this was you would you would be you'd want it fucking gone i, I but like yeah yeah, yeah. I, so, in everything it that's one of those things too of like you hear those stories of like i didn't think of anything of it in in relation to covid and then yeah. I got sick. This is very important. You should do them like, holy shit. If you just opened your eyes just a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and just realize if we work together at this, we can get, we can move on from this. Right. Yeah. It's amazing what people can do when they work together, but yep. divided we destroy and, and nothing gets done and people suffer. Yep. So I don't want to end like that. <laughs> well, we Christ. can't end on that note. No, we're gonna we're end, that but note. that's why we're gonna end on your comedy bit. That's what, yeah, yeah, what? Do- Kate wants. No, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. No, he's still Look, working on it. He's do, still working on it. We gotta do a run through, though. I mean, run throughs are crucial. <laughs> run throughs are crucial. <laughs> I'm gonna make a promise here that I. I'm sorry. Oh wait, we lost you. We lost you there. We lost you right at the promise. Right at the promise. <laughs> am, I, am I back? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, now it's your. Am I back now? Yeah. Yeah, it's a laptop. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my headphones. Fell. Okay, I'm gonna make a promise. I'm not sure I can keep. Okay. But the uh, Cincinnati Lou, who made uh, the Lore After Hours four hat. Uh-huh. Yeah. I I hate the Yankees. I hate. I, I'm not a fan of them either. So anyway, I, he made me a special hat. That's the Mets hat. So I feel like he should be able to make a special Marlins four hat. You should. Which then would sell like hotcakes in Miami. Not then really. We can give, <laughs> then we can give that money. There's too to many Yankee fans church. here. That's true. Okay. So I, the promise that I can't keep sucks anyway. No, but that's fine. Yeah. I'll take the Marlins. It's it's so funny because I go to physical therapy and I have that uh that uh the the new era shirt. The yeah. I I'm sure you've seen the it. The four? the the, yeah. the four mm-hmm. the new eras uh uh Lou Gehrig shirt for Lou Gehrig's day whatever. Um, and I went to physical therapy and one of the therapists that sees me, she's like, I thought you weren't a Yankee fan. I go, Hey, I'm just a Lou Gehrig's fan. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's it. All right. Yeah, yeah. Fuck the Yankees. I can't stand the Yankees, but you're a Mets fan. Oh, that's, that's, probably hey, that's better than being, that's better than being. Yankees. Well, I mean, you're in the division, so I don't know. No, that's right. <laughs> oh, no, but yeah, it's, um, I, shit yeah i'd take it i think i'm on you'll take it you'll take it look if i can Fuck if yeah. i can make it happen you'll take it oh yeah <laughs> okay i was i'm gonna yeah. work on it all right good i mean my wife what was frustrating about that i wanted to go to a game on lou gary's day but the marlins were traveling they were out and so when they came back um we went to the first game back and uh my wife had called and asked Mm-hmm. If they were or emailed them, if they were going to do anything or whatever. And they're like, yeah, no. Because I thought when I what I read was if the, the teams that are on the road, when they get back, they would they would celebrate. They've done that before, like for like Father's Day and Veterans Day and, sh- and stuff like that, where they wear yeah. the, But they didn't do anything. And so that was a little annoying, yeah. you know. 
It's like, there's not that many people here anyways. The the problem with that at that time, um, the reason why the Marlins couldn't fill up their stadium was because they were a vaccine site. And uh, because remember, it's a county owned building. So yeah. uh, thanks, Loria. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's it's vaccines and also testing. So they were not allowed to have uh, full capacity um, like other teams were earlier. So it was still spread out, which I got to be honest with you. Have you been to a game when it wasn't where it was still uh, six feet spreading or whatever? The, no, I haven't. It's the best. It's, it's, it's great. It's so great <laughs> yeah. because you can stretch <laughs> your legs out. We got out. a couple games. Well, you we get like, we went to like can, a family oh, one. Oh man, you you went. Not only the, that, it just feels like. I mean, I love watching baseball live. On TV, it's tough. Uh, I'll yeah. do it obviously because I want to see the, uh, the I want to see how they're doing. But watching it live and you can basically hear freaking Jesus Aguilar talking shit because that's a, that's all that guy loves to do. That's why I love him. <laughs> um, and you can just everything. It's just it's it's such a different experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had some yeah. pretty good seats. But she she talked to them and emailed them. And they're like, oh, where's he sitting? And I wasn't expecting anything. They came by and they gave like a bag. And I got the I got the patch. I got a, several patches of the Lou Gehrig's patches, some wristbands, some things like that. Whatever. Little swag that they have left over, I guess. Yeah. But it was right, nice. So they did something. So Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> Maybe next year we'll get Lebatard to help. We'll, we'll do like a proper, proper LG4 day. Yeah, man. What the hell? Yeah, come on, Miami. Uh, seriously. <laughs> we got to put up with your South Beach shit. The least you can do is... Uh... But that's his fault, too, because he does. He just lives in Miami Beach. He wants to be away from Miami, the real Miami. Yeah. Miami Beach ain't the real Miami. That's the thing. <laughs> you tell him. I'm not going to tell him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Right, well, Kate, well, thank you so, yeah. so much. This was great. Really appreciate uh, you coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks you all for having me. I'll come on again anytime. We can talk about your comedy bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Once you do it. Once, once you do, I we do talk it. More levitar. We talk comedy bit. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. You got. You, <laughs> She's like, as long yeah. as there's a comedy bit in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but 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 the comedy. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. Don't forget about the comedy bit. Even if it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think it's gonna suck. I don't think it's gonna suck. I don't think so either. And I know what you're gonna say. You're my wife. You're, yes, because you are my wife, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it's you know, it's like our kid. He's he's wonderful. He could be an asshole too. Yeah. So. Well, I'm happy to say you're an asshole as well. But that's okay. One, one last thing. That's one thing. Even with this disease, it doesn't mean that I'm not an asshole. I can be an asshole to my wife. I just yeah. want to make that clear that we can still it's be. Not a free pass. It's yeah, not a no. free pass. <laughs> I've experienced it. She's yeah. gotten real pissed off at me for something. <laughs> and I can be a B to him. And so, she can be, yeah. yeah. So let's let's be real, you know? Yeah. Yep. Those dynamics good. are still at play. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. But anyways, well, thank you, Kate. Thank you, Thanks, Kate. Thanks big, for being nice to me, at least. I'm sorry? Thanks for being nice to me, at least. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> next time, right, we'll, next time we'll grill, grill you. Okay, good. <laughs> Take care, Kate. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.